That's how it works. When the politicians keep politicking Before you turn to excessive drinking Spend some time collectively Politinkering with the show where I don't know man And literally Cause the truth is I don't know man And literally Quite I literally just, I don't know man I don't know <laughs> we have a crossover episode, my little snowflakes. Welcome to Pile Tinkering. Literally literary. Literally literary. We'll try it again. Try it again. One more time. Literally literary. Welcome to literally literary. Yeah, you're just forced, man. <laughs> Disagree. Joey's gonna cry. Also, they, they can't see that it's forced, so who cares? <laughs> um, I can hear it. I, you know, we have a crossover episode. I figured it might be fun mm-hmm. to do. So Chris I cross make you want to jump, jump. <laughs> what was the other one they had? Um, it wasn't jump. It, so it was jump, and then there was one more that was like, oh, I have no idea. Damn it! What was I the other Chris Cross song? The, the backwards pants for the, sure. Yeah. Uh, what was that fucking other one? They have another good song. No idea. Joey. Hip Hop Hooray. I don't no, know. No, that's that Naughty by Nature. The, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're all blended in my mind. Those those like same dance moves. Uh, Racist. Jeez. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you you judge music by the dance moves? I feel like they all had like a specific dance move and they all had the specific kind of pants. That's like all genres of music. No, it's just like early 90s hip hop. Yeah, and then ska had its dance, and rock and rolls had its dances, and everything has its kind of like way of moving. Okay, like you don't dance the same at a rap show as you do at like I don't know a Rihanna show. How would you know? <laughs> I've seen the TV. You dance the same at you you dance the same at a Rihanna show as you do at a dan- as a fucking hip hop show. Well, yeah, I stand there motionless. <laughs> there it is, exactly. <laughs> if that's uh, if that's dancing, I think when one raps, they they just like wave their hand above one's in the head, air, just like they don't care, as if they don't, yeah, as if yeah. they have no care in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's like so hand roughly at a forty five degree angle above one's head. Heil um, Hitler ish. No, 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 because that would be like straight out. You kind of mm-hmm. extend your arm, um, uh, bent. So you bend your arm over. Your, okay, so like here's the best way to do it. Pat yourself on top of the head, mm-hmm. right? And then just extend your hand up about halfway through, mm-hmm. right? And then just raise it up and down thusly as mm-hmm. I'm doing as such. Yeah. Um, like, the, uh, the listeners can't hear me, but listen to a 90 degree angle and then yeah. back. Yeah, there you go. Okay, 90 degree angle and I then guess, like yeah. hit. The, you're, not, you're not going all the way as down. As if you're yeah. like chopping something. If like the, you're hitting a drum that's about, if you imagine you're hitting a drum that's in front of your face. The standard H or field goal position for the boom operators out there. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I think that's how one raps. Mm-hmm. All three of them. Um, but I don't know if that would be acceptable at a Rihanna concert. Right. I think that's how one raps though. Nah, well, I could, I feel like you'd get away with that at like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Moments I, in the Rihanna concert? Yeah. How about yeah. Adele? Um, I, I don't <laughs> I like know Adele the difference just... between Adele and Rihanna. Really? Uh, Adele is like a like a like a forty year old in a tw- in a thirty year old body, or like a seventy year old in a forty year old's body. Thirty year old's body, whatever it is. Like Billy Holiday. <laughs> is it Bobby Holiday? Or it's Billie? yeah, like a Billy Holiday type mm-hmm. of feel. Um, no, for so an Adele concert, I just imagine it is like a whole a, like a like a whole mass, a horde of swaying women. Just women like, just swaying like back and forth. The Celine Dion's audience. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I have books. Hmm. I have books. How you guys doing? I'm good. Everyone well? We're good. Yeah. Sean, how you doing? What's up with the books? I don't know. I felt like we'd read. Why? Instead of literally literary, I figured we'd do that for Paul Tinkering. Okay. So I brought some, uh-huh. and I took some from you. Uh-oh. From the sausage being made. He's stealing my books? <laughs> I would not steal your books. <laughs> you already have. <laughs> no, I brought it back. Remember? Oh, did you? The Oedipus one. Oh, right on. Because, of, because it was the property philosophy that I imagined. Mm, gotcha. Like I knew you wouldn't have had a problem with me <laughs> taking it because of your distaste for books, mm-hmm. but your your philosophical standpoint behind ownership, ah, right I on. felt outweighed my your distaste of books. 
Hmm. So I brought it back. Strange. <laughs> was I right? Am I right on that? <laughs> Does it depend on the book? Y- yeah, yeah, certainly. Okay. <laughs> I think we talked about this. If you took my Doug Adams, I might notice that. Right. But, uh, well, no, no. Yeah. It wasn't a question I noticed. Mm. You told me you wouldn't have noticed it. Oh, yeah. But what I didn't know is whether or not. Oh, whether I'd care once exactly. I did find out. Like, at what point would the, philosoph- like, the philosophy of it sway one way or the other? Oh, yeah. No, I don't really care. At all? Not really, no. Huh. I feel like you would. Um... <laughs> he just said he does it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I, again, I guess it depends on the title. So, like that title okay. was, um, I think, one of the books that just uh, wound up in my collection rather than I added to my collection. Right. On. Okay. Mm. Okay. So there you go. Let it be known. <laughs> what, what books that do you have over here? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have the Constitution of the United States of America. What? What? We did a little bit of that in politi- in uh, literally literary, but I, th- mm-hmm. I thought we might do a little more. And also along with that, we have uh, the Declaration of Independence and Ooh. other great documents of American history. Um, I have Henry David Thoreau, Walden, and Civil Disobedience. For all those, He's a good man. For all and those hermits. Big Lebowski. For all those hermits and, um, and I don't know, what's Civil Disobedience? What's a good way to describe a person? Civil di- anarchists. There you go. Not exactly. For all those hermits and anarchists. Okay. Um, I have the complete Aristotle. Mm. I have the complete Plato. I have Thomas Paine, Rights of Man. I have, what is this? Confucius, the Analytics. This is from Sean. I have Marcus Aurelius, Meditations. Mm. I have Common Sense by Thomas Paine. Did I read that already? Mm. Oh, Rights of Man is Thomas Paine. Mm. I also have Common Sense, and I have The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Mm. Anything jumping out at you, boys? Anything jumping out at you, boys? I, I forced the decision last time, so I, I will let Joey go as to not complain. <laughs> are you thinking more philosophically, or are you thinking more pragmatically? Well, no, because there's like document. There's like you know, this, this is more. Half of these are are uh, not philosophy. Well, What's yeah, half of it's it? politics, and half of it's theology. Politics. Or yeah. yeah, there you go. I'll tell you what. I, I want to go theology, wild card but, uh, here. Uh, you, why don't you pick Sean O'Brien? You you can choose. Oh well, yeah. This is the first time, or uh, maybe the first time that uh, O'Brien has had a uh, collection of books. Yeah, you're so. right. I haven't actually chosen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never choose. So why don't you? I, was, I chose the first one. Why don't I just choose? Well, yeah. you kind of always really choose. Yeah, I mean, but. But still, let's. I guess you're right. Yeah, you, you guys lead me into something. Okay, so uh, fuck me. You're, that's what that's is a the lot most crossoverish. Uh, <laughs> that's not a word. Well, let's just start since since our show at its core. Cross your ovaries. We've done so many. We've done so much politics in the last couple couple yeah, of politics yeah. episodes. So let's let's go with philosophy. Cool. Let's go more philosophy and let's so the art of war. Let's start with. <laughs> let's start with the core. Let's start with let's start with the guy who started it all. Plato. Mm, Mr. Plato, delicious, you're, tasty you're, Plato. You're presenting that book to us as though we were supposed to know something. Presents that. But, I know there's nothing on the there, cover. Yeah, the cover is a just, blank red <laughs> hardback book. Like there is absolutely nothing. This is the complete works of Plato. I see. Um, he is Aristotle's teacher or student? Teacher. Okay. Plato kind of was the first one. Everything in philosophy starts with Plato. Mm. Everything. Well, he also was the student of Socrates. You got it. Uh, okay, most of the stuff that he writes is from Socrates' perspective. So, so he's sort of the main so character. Socrates. Yes. If you, so great. If you, yeah. Totes for real. Most of it's from his, yeah. Adventure. And that's, and that's what's, so the, the, that's what, that's where the Socratic method comes from. Like the whole question and answer thing is from essentially Plato's writings. People asking, you know, Socrates asking a question and, and somebody else answering it as best they can. Right um, so that's sort of what we're going to go with. Let's right. try that. Um, do you want me to read the table of contents? Do you want me to read like a little bit of introduction? Uh, yeah, let's go with the intro. The intro? Tell us who he was. Plato. Well, let's see. I don't know if this one tells us necessarily who. I feel like I'm off mic here. All right. Well, you know. Fine. Just be on mic, you mean? Fidgety bastard. <laughs> I mean, everything's okay. All right. It's not, though. <laughs> Nothing is fine. Everything's the fine. The world is collapsing. It's true. That's why we're hiding. <laughs> no, it's not. That's we're why all, we're hiding in we're our books. We're all good guests. Cool. 100 degrees outside. The world is ending. Introduction. Since they were written nearly 2,400 years ago, Plato's dialogues have found readers in every generation. Indeed, in the major centers of Greek intellectual culture, beginning in the first and second centuries of our era, Plato's works gradually became the central text for the study and practice of philosophy altogether. In later antiquity, a time when Greek philosophy was struggling to maintain itself against Christianity and other, and other Eastern, quote, wisdoms, Platonist, Platonist philosophy was philosophy itself. Even after Christianity triumphed in the Roman Empire, Platonism... 
sorry, continued as the, as the dominant philosophy in the Greek-speaking Eastern Mediterranean. As late as the 15th century, in the late years of the Byzantine Empire, the example of George Gemistos Plethon shows how strong this traditional concentration George of Plato <laughs> concentration of Plato would be among philosophically educa um, educated Greeks. So he's moving on up. When Plethon, the leading Byzantine scholar and philosopher of the time, accompanied the Byzantine Empire of Fer Fer Ferrara, sorry, Ferrara and Florentine in 1438-39 for the successful Council of Union between the Catholics and the Orthodox Churches. He created a sensation among the Italian... Oh, this is all boring. Um, any questions on Plato before I just get to it? Uh, yeah, let's go into the, uh, the contents there. Table of contents? Unless you had something specific you wanted to... I was going to start uh, with the Republic. Okay. That's I was it. just going to go straight to the Republic and right we do it that way. Yeah. Um, but they do have a lot of the dialogues. Um, that's sort of the way. What's the difference? The dialogues, a lot of them are are more specified, so it'll go directly to um, dialogues between Socrates and like another another character within the book, or surrounding a particular topic, or hmm. several different topics. Um, These are real characters or fictional characters? Is this like a kind of made up <sighs> conversation where he's doing both sides? Man, that's a good question. I mean, it, it, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I don't remember enough philosophy or really know enough of the history of it to right. say. I would say it's a little bit of both. Like if I had to guess, it would be Plato's sort of breakdown of the discussions that went down more or less mm -hmm. among the philosophers of the time. Gotcha. So, but it's not like he's doing like the oldest of schools of podcasts where he's going around interviewing other intellectuals. He's it's more just kind of every man thing. Probably. Okay. Probably. Yeah. It was him. It was him talking with other philosophers, but he wasn't necessarily speaking, recording their conversations kind yeah. of, you know, um, he would just kind of like reassemble the gist of it. Right, exactly. Well, oh. yeah, but also do most of it the work of him, himself. So he would kind of mm. study, you know, he would ask the questions that you would want to ask to a hypothetical person who was also real. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, but like the symposium is probably one of my favorites. Um, but the real question is where the fuck does the Republic begin in this book? That's 1776. <laughs> Did you have, oh, I thought you were going to hit like a, like a fucking. <laughs> like 1776. <laughs> right. 1776 will rise again. Um, here we go. Okay. 971. That's my Alex Jones. 971. Is uh, an interview with Pierce Morgan. Republic. Oh, yeah. I love that interview. <laughs> so the idea of the Republic um, that Plato formed is nine books of the Republic. And his question among this work, which is a, his best work, um, was... The intent was to answer the question, how is, what is the best way to form a republic? Mm. Okay, who should run it? Mm -hmm. What should we do? What should the laws be? Where, you know, and, and it kind of, most of everything is in this, but that's the most kind of political, but philosophically speaking, as possible. What year is this? Oh, wow. I don't even know. Um, I got 380 BC. Yeah, that around. Works. That's what they say. BC. BC. Oh, because it's 380 BC. Yeah, 380 BC. Well, AD BC. No, no, no. 300, 380 BC. Oh. Eight, like 80. It was, it was 80. 80 oh. BC. So like they just weren't sure if it was, oh, like, it was three, like, like somewhere around the yeah, turn yeah, of the millennia. Because we, we don't know like where that zero six years is. Span. And, yeah. no, it's like, actually ACDC. Oh. <laughs> they kick ass. Yeah. So the Republic. I'll read a little bit of the opening. All night long. Um, the Republic's ancient subtitle on justice much understates the scope of the work. It begins as a discussion of the nature of justice, much in the manner of Socrates' dialogue, like Laxius or Charimides. Charimides, probably. So, uh, Socrates, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say Socrates, Socrates this whole fucking time. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Examining and refuting successive views of the inter, um, interlocutions on this subject. But in book two, he renews the inquiry, now agreeing to cease examining and refuting the opinions of others and to prevent his own account, present his own account. He'll say what justice really is and show that people who truly and fully just, who, uh, people who are tr uh, truly and fully just thereby lead a better, happier life than any unjust person could. The horizon lifts to reveal ever-expanding vistas of philosophy. Socrates presents his views on the original purposes for which the pol political commentaries. I'm sorry, when was the Iliad? Oh, I don't remember. Right. What did we say last time? Like, the, do you mean like the actual? The book, yeah. I feel like it was like, four, no, maybe more than that. Give me one second. Yeah, he's looking it up, Homer-wise. 
I don't think they were contemporaries, though. Okay. Well, no, no. I was just um, like, I, I, this is his writings, right? Like, Plato? Yeah, a, a translation of his writings. Yes. I, I was just thinking that this translation is um, extremely plain spoken. Oh, at the moment, this is not the book of it. Oh, okay. This is the introduction to the Republic. Part. Okay, gotcha. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is not Plato's uh, action. This is not how the book begins. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, even better to my point then. A, a plain spoken version of what the <laughs> fuck is going on rather than the flowery douchebags that uh, were failed writers trying to get their fucking words in someone else's goddamn book. Anyways, continue, sir. <laughs> but that's what this guy would be. One of the flowery douchebags trying, putting his words in someone else's he's book. He's one of the failed douchebags, but he's not too flowery. So okay, got him. it. So he's... Yeah. <laughs> I am with you, sir. I am with you. And He's I low on the flutin' scale. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Iliad, eight, 8th century BC. So 760 to 710 BC. Oh, even earlier. Yeah, wow. way earlier. Okay. Um, That's when the writing was. The, the war was even earlier. But yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, the, yeah, this would have been around. But only like, I don't know, a lifetime earlier? No, it was like 30. 400 years oh, earlier. Oh, yeah, oh, really? way earlier. Oh, I the, thought the he was writing Trojan contemporarily. War. Oh, okay. No, you're thinking of Thucydides, like the Peloponnesian War. Oh, okay, war. gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. That was around this. That was about what? Like was, 50, 100 years before this? It was like 470, I think. Yeah. BC? Exactly. It was okay. around like 430, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 430. Okay. So, about, so roughly 50 to 100 years before uh, Plato did his work. Um, shall I keep on the, the uh, introduction? Um, or do you want me to just get to it? You can go. So, Plato's in Athens, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he was an Athenian. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Intro or book? Okay. Okay. Book one. One of the most famous lines in literature. I know book one. <laughs> I went down to the Piraeus yesterday with Glaucon, the son of Ariston. I wanted to say a prayer to the goddesses, and I was also curious to see how they would manage the festival since they were holding it for the first time. I thought the procession, the procession of the local residents was a fine one, and that the one concluded by the, uh, Thracians, by the Thracians was no less outstanding. Any idea? What? Who Thracians. all these people are? Thracians are like from Turkey. Oh, okay. Uh, or not really Turkey, sorry. Like Thrace. Yeah, Thrace. Thrace is, is Greek as well, I think. But it's like, like north. Okay. It's like yeah. north of uh, in Istanbul or Constantinople. Okay, yeah, so these are just like different regions. Exactly, all different parts of Greece. And okay. Piraeus is the port. That's what he's saying. He's going okay. down. He's going yeah. down to the dock. Cool. It's a great way to open it too, right? I went down to the Piraeus yesterday. Piraeus or whatever, right? It has that old sort of like, uh, literally like a barroom feel. Yeah, it's also not flowery and not douchebaggery. There it is. So, well, <laughs> if it makes you feel better, which it does. No, no, no. <laughs> that is metaphorical. Mm. I went, you know, that's where, that's where those kind of conversations would happen. Those docs conversation, oh, yeah, yeah. right? You know, the kind of barroom, barroom kind of, you know, mm. random philosophy questions. Mm. I, that's uh, what that means. Okay. I, I feel that is more setting the scene than metaphor, but sure. But he's, but he's setting the scene in a metaphorical way. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not hating why, so far. Yeah, I don't know why I'm trying to like sway you against. <laughs> so like, you're like, you're like, I'm okay with this. And I'm like, no, it's metaphorical. You should hate it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you should care. You should care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, uh, and the one condu conducted by the Thracians was no less outstanding. After we had said our prayer and had seen the procession, we started back toward Athens. Polemarchus saw us in the distance and we were setting off for home and told his slave to run to ask us to wait for him. The slave caught on hold of my cloak from behind him. Polemarchus wants you to wait, he said. I turned around and asked where Polemarchus was. He's coming up behind you, he said. Please wait for him. And Glaucon replied, all right, we will. Just then, Polemarchus caught up with us. Adamantius, Glaucon's brother, was with him, and so was Nicratius and the son of Nicias and some others, all of whom were apparently on their way from the procession. Polemarchus said, it looks to me, Socrates, as if you two are starting off for Athens. It looks the way it is then, I said. Do you see how many we are, he said. I do. Well, you must either prove stronger than we are, or you will have to stay here. Hmm. Isn't there another alternative? Namely that we, namely that we persuade you to let us go? Well, but, you could pers but, but could you persuade us if we won't listen? Certainly not, Glaucon said. Well, we won't listen. You'd better make up your mind to do that. Uh, you'd better make up your mind to that. Don't you know, Adamantius said, that there is to be a torch race on horseback for the goddess tonight? On horseback, I said. That's something new. Are they going to race the horseback and hand the torches torch. on relays or what? Fucking dude, just ask my questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in relays, Polo Marcus said, and there will be an all-night festival that well, that's well worth seeing. After dinner, we'll go back to look at it. We'll be, joined, uh, we'll be joined there by many of the young men and we'll talk. So don't go. Stay. It seems, Glaucon said, that we'll have to stay. Hmm. If you think so, I said, then we must. So we went to Polo Marcus' house and there we found Lysias and... Euthydemius, the brothers of Polemarchus. 
Thrasymachus of Calesedon. This is why I couldn't read the Three Musketeers. Carmidantius of Paenia. And Clitophon doesn't exist. The son, the son of Aristimus. Jeez, spat you, Dick. I know. Oh wait, do I? I think it's Polymarchus. I don't know if it's Polymarchus. I think it's Polymarchus' father, Cephalus, who was also born there. And I thought he looked quite old, as I hadn't seen him for some time. He was sitting in some sort of a cushioned chair with a wreath on his head, as if he'd been offering a sacrifice in the courtyard. There was a circle of chairs, and we sat down by him. As soon as he saw me, Cephalus welcomed us and said, Socrates, Cephalus, yeah. Socrates, you don't come down to the Piraeus as, to, to see us as often as you should. If it were still easy for me to walk to town, you wouldn't have come here. We'd come, <clears throat> sorry, uh, come here. Uh, we'd, come, we'd, come to, we'd come to you. But as it is, you ought to come here for more often, for you should know, as the, philosoph- as the physical features wither away, my desire for conversation and its pleasures grow. So do, a, so do as I say. So do as I say. Stay with these young men now, but come regularly to see us, just as you would, would to friends or relatives. Indeed, Cephalus, I replied, I enjoy talking with the very old, for we should ask them, as we might ask those who have traveled a road that we too will probably have to follow, what kind of road it is, whether rough and difficult or smooth and easy. And I'd gladly found, find out from you what you think about this, as you have reached a different point, as, as you have reached the point in life the poets call the, quote, threshold of old age. Is it a difficult time? What is your report about it? <laughs> By God, Socrates, I'll tell you exactly what I think. A number of us, who are more or less the same age, often get together in accordance with the old saying, when we meet the majority complain about the lost pleasures they, <clears throat> they remember from their youth, those of sex, drinking parties, feasts, and the other things to go along with them, and they will get angry if they have been, depri- if they have been deprived, of <clears throat> deprived of important things and have lived well but, have, but are now hardly living at all. Some others moan about the abuse heaped on old people by their relatives and because of the way they repent over and over that old age is the cause of many evils. But I don't think they blame the real cause, Socrates, for if old age were really the cause, I should have suffered in the same way, and so should everyone else of my age. But as it is, I've met some who don't feel that, feel that it is in the least. Indeed, I was once present when someone asked the, asked the poet Sophocles, how, how are you as far as sex goes, Sophocles? Can you still make love with a woman? Quiet, man, the poet replied. I'm very glad to have escaped from all that, like a slave who has escaped from a savage and tyrannical master. I thought sorry, I thought at the time I thought at the time he was right, and I still do for my Wait, old Wait, he was the poet? Sophocles? Yeah. Sophocles was was the poet in this story, yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize he was a poet. Okay. He's the yeah. Playwright. Yeah, yeah. Right. Playwright. They call it playwrights were sort of poets, like tragedians, tragedians same gotcha. kind of thing. I don't I've never heard that word before. Um, it might be an interesting way to translate it too. Like the two were kind of, you know, vaguely synonymous. Gotcha. Well, um, that, that's one thing I definitely wanted to note again. This is a, uh, is this the way that most of his writings are formatted essentially? What do you mean by formatted? Um, this <coughs> question and answer type of thing. Yeah, literally, because it's, so those, th- that is the Socratic method, just a question and answer, question and answer. And that's more or less the way every single thing in this book goes. Somebody asking a question, somebody giving an answer. But this um, is just like, I don't know, I guess just surprisingly plain speech for someone that has never actually read Plato, but uh, mm-hmm. has, you know, been aware of his um, largesse. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, that's, yeah. That's, Do you remember in the Thucydides episode, I was saying that like um, Thucydides is really hard to... Mm-hmm. To translate, yeah, and from Greek, Plato is one of the easiest to translate in Greek because of this. It is very plain spoken. Gotcha. Yeah, um, it's very dense and mm-hmm. very kind of you know philosophically um, rich, mm-hmm. but it's as far as the way it's written. No, there's not. It's not that difficult to read. It's just sort of right in front of you. Yeah, that's. I. I, I yeah. I mean, like especially when you, uh, you know, this is thousand years before 2000 years before Shakespeare like <laughs> the, you know the that is just uh, worlds apart you know you, I just yeah yeah we no no yeah it was it was just plain speak don't judge it's very plain speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh can you explain blah, 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 blah. sorry I thought at the time he was right and I still do for old age brings peace and freedom from all such things when the appetites relax and cease to impotence us and it's sim- Importune us. Oops. Everything Sophocles said comes uh, said exactly said comes to pass, and we escape from many mad masters. Oh, a little alliteration there. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. <laughs> in these in That's these matters, be the translator being a dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
And these it probably is. Yeah. And <laughs> I love you so much, Sean. You're my favorite. You too, Joey. No, it's okay. You can have a favorite. <laughs> in, these, in these matters, in those concerning relative, the real, um, cause, the real cause isn't old age, Socrates. Real talk? But, in, but the way people live it. If they are moderate and contented, old age, too, is only moderate, moderately onerous. If they aren't, both old age and youth are hard to bear. I admired him for saying that, and I wanted to tell him more, so I urged him on. When you say things like that, Cephalus, I suppose that the majority of people don't agree. They think that, you're, that you bear old age more easily, not because of the way you live, but because you're, you're wealthy. For the wealthy, they say, have many consolations. That's true. They don't agree. And there is something, to, in, there is something in what they say, though, not as much as they think. Um, themisto, 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 oh, my God, I'm sorry. Themistocles. Themistocles' retort is relevant here. When someone from uh, Seraphimus... Seraphus insulted him by saying that his high reputation was due to the city and not himself. He replied that he had been a seraph, um, a seraphinian. He he wouldn't be famous. A font. <laughs> uh, but neither but neither would the other, even if he had been an Athenian. The same applies to those who aren't rich and find old age hard to bear. A good person wouldn't easily bear old age if he were poor, but a bad one wouldn't be at peace with himself even if he were wealthy. Hmm. Do you inherit most of your wealth, Cephalus, I asked, or did you make it yourself? Make it for yourself. What I did make for myself, Socrates. What did, oh, sorry. What did I make for myself, Socrates, you ask? As a moneymaker, I'm in a sort of mean between my grandfather and my father. My grandfather and namesake inherited about the same amount of wealth as I possess, but multiplied it many times. My father, Lysenius, however, diminished that amount to even less than I have. For me, it, uh, as for me, I'm satisfied to leave my sons here not less, but a little more than I inherited. It was Trump. The reason I asked is that you don't seem to love money too much. And those who haven't made their own money are usually like you. But those who have made it for themselves are twice as fond of it and those who haven't, as those who haven't. Just as poets love their poems and fathers love their children, so those have made their own money but just don't care about it because it's useful, as other, people's do, as other people do, but because it's, but because it's something they've made themselves. This makes them poor company, for they haven't a good word to say about anything except money. Eating on the nouveau riche? That's true. It certainly is. But tell me something else. What's the greatest good you've received from being very wealthy? Hmm. What I have to say probably won't persuade most people, but you know, Socrates, when, that when someone thinks his end is near, he becomes frightened and concerned about things. He didn't fear before. It's, it's then that the stories we've told about Hades about how people who've been unjust here may pay the penalty there. Stories he used to make fun of twist his soul this way and that, for, the fear for they fear they're true. And whether because of the weakness of old age or because he is now closer to what happens in Hades he has, and has a clearer view of it, or whether it is he is filled with a foreboding and fear and he examines himself to see whether he has been unjust to anyone. If he finds, if he finds many injustices in his life, he awakes from sleep and terror, as children do, and lives in anticipation of bad things to come. But someone who knows that he hasn't been unjust and sweet, good and and sweet, good, god damn it. But someone who knows that he hasn't been unjust has sweet, good hope as his constant companion, a nurse to his old age, as Pinder says. For he puts for he puts it charmingly, Socrates, when he says that when someone lives as a just and pious life, then there's a little inscription. Sweet hope is in his heart, nurse and companion to his age. Hope, captain of the ever twisting minds of mortal men. How wonderfully well he puts that. It's in the, con it's in the connection that wealth is most valuable, I'd say. So was that like man. a quote? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it was a quote from uh, Pindar. I don't know who Pindar is. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a note to it, but I, I'm going to have to find it. Right on. Um, how wonderfully well he puts it. It's in that connection that wealth is most valuable. I, I, I'd say not for every man, but for a decent and orderly one. Wealth can do a lot to save us from having to cheat or deceive someone against our will and from having to depart for that other place in fear because we, we owe sacrifice to a god or money to a person. It has many other uses, but benefit for benefit, I'd say that this is how it is most useful for a man of any understanding. There's plenty more, obviously. It keeps going, but we can... Let me just bounce. Let me skip ahead a little bit and find something going and again, on. This is the Republic? This is, all, this is the beginning of the Republic. This oh, is wow. book one of the Republic. Um, just talking to some dude about what it's like to be rich. It is kind of weird that he's using Socrates' as teacher as a character. 
He is Socrates is always his character, the, the main character. I wonder how much is like is really Socrates, or is he just like I don't know using him as like a fictional character? <laughs> hey Vern, <laughs> what is that from? It's uh, the Ernest movies, but like you know that sort oh. of that that invisible guy that you're kind of talking to behind the fourth wall, sort of thing. Yeah, more or less. I mean, so what was your question, Joy? I, I, I'm not sure I understand. I don't know. I'm, no, it wasn't really a question. I'm just so interested in the fact that he's using his teacher as like this fake character. Yeah, it's and, a weird construct. Knows, for. And who knows how much is realistic or not. Well, that's what I mean. I don't think he's an unreal character. I think that Socrates, Socrates, this yeah, is a lot of He just spends his... so much time with the guy. He knows what he would say. Exactly. So like, yeah, he's just writing exactly. shit. And he would say, you know, many of the, I think that they, they didn't agree on Everything. There are some things that it, he didn't quite agree on, which right. is arguably why he's able to argue with himself so well mm -hmm. within the within the dialogues. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, what? So is Plato essentially an I don't know man? Uh, every philosopher is an I don't know man. Yeah, mm. across the board, uh, philosophers I, don't usually I, like. Uh, yeah, I guess that's more like the uh, the the Freuds and shit. That's, There's a really uh, good word here for it. Um, I was just looking at the Wikipedia. It's called aporia. Do you know this one, Sean? Mm. Yeah, it sounds really familiar. Aporia denotes a philosophy or a philosophical puzzle or state of puzzlement, and in rhetoric, a, a rhetorically useful rhetoric. That's it. Yeah, or expression of doubt. So, like, you kind of end mm. something where you're just like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Nice. Aporia. 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 Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, it's more in rhetoric. Aporia majoria. Aporia majoria. <laughs> Um, Does that exist? Does now. I'm trying to find a good way to... Okay, here's a good question to start with. This is still in book one, but it's just like a page or two later. <laughs> but isn't justice human virtue? Yes, certainly. Then people who are harmed must become more unjust. So it seems. Then can musicians make people unmusical through music? They cannot. Or horsemen make people more, or, more people unhorsemanlike <laughs> through can. horsemanship? No. <laughs> well, then... Can those, who, then can those who are just make people unjust through justice? In a word, can those who are good make people bad through virtue? Mm, they cannot. It isn't the function to heat of cool things. Oh, sorry. It isn't the function of heat to cool things, but of its opposite? Yes. Nor the function of dryness to make things wet, but of the opposite? Yes. Nor the function of goodness to harm, but of its opposite? Well, apparently. And a just person is good, indeed. Then, Polemarchus, it isn't the function of a just person to harm a friend of any, or anyone else. Rather, it is the function of his opposite, an unjust person. In my view, that's completely true, Socrates. If anyone tells us, then, that it is just to give to each what he's owed and understands by this that a just man should harm his enemies and benefit his friends, he, he isn't wise to say it since what he says isn't true, for it, has, for it has become clear to us that it is never just to harm anyone. I agree. You and I shall fight as partners, then, against anyone who tells us that uh, Simon, Simonides, Bias, Wish I Pitakis, had a sting. Or, da, na, na, na. Or, <laughs> or any of us other wise and blessedly happy men said this. I, at any rate, am willing to be your partner in this battle. Do you know whom I think the saying belongs that it is just to benefit friends and harm enemies? Who? I think it belongs to Periander or Pedicus or Circes or Asimenius or Corinth or some other wealthy man who believed himself to have great power. Fucking Lannisters. That's absolutely true. All right. Burn Since it's become apparent that justice and just aren't what such people say they are, what else could they be? While we were speaking... Or while we were speaking, Thorascomus had tried many times to take over the discussion, but was restrained by those sitting near him who wanted to hear out our argument to the end. When we paused after what I'd said, however, he couldn't keep quiet any longer. He coiled himself up like a wild beast about to spring, and he hurled himself to us as if to tear us to pieces. Polemarchus and I were frightened and flustered as he roared into the mist. What nonsense have you two been talking, Socrates? What do you, why do you act like... Why do you act like idiots giving way to one another? If you truly want to know what justice is, don't ask questions, then refute answers simply to satisfy your competitiveness or love of honor. You know very well that it is easier to ask questions than answer them. Give me answer yourself and tell us what you say the just is. And don't just tell me that it's the right, the beneficial, the profitable, the gainful, or the advantageous, but tell me clearly and exactly what you mean, for I won't accept such nonsense from you. His words startled me, and looking at him, I was afraid. And I think if it hadn't seen, if I hadn't seen him before, and uh, before he stared at me, I'd have been dumbstruck. 
But as it was, I happened to look him just as our discussion began to ex uh, exasperate him. So I was able to answer him and, trembling a little, I said, Don't be too hard on us, Thrasymus. For as Polemarchus and I have made an error in our investigation, you should know that we did so unwillingly. If we were searching for gold, we'd never, unwill we'd never willingly give way to each other if by doing so we'd destroy our chance of finding it. So... Don't think in searching for justice is a thing more valuable than even a large quantity of gold. We'd mindlessly give way to one another or be less than com completely serious about finding it. You surely mustn't think that, but rather, as I do, that we're capable of finding it. Hence, it's surely far more appropriate for us to be pitied by you, by you clever people than to be given rough treatment. To, uh, sorry. Yeah, rough treatment. When he heard that, he gave a loud, sarcastic laugh. But Heracles, his, uh, Heracles, he said, that's just Socrates' usual irony. I knew, and I said to those people earlier, that you'd be unwilling to answer, the, and that is, if someone questioned you, you'd be ironical and do anything rather than give me an answer. <laughs> that's because you're a clever fellow, Thrascomius. You, you know very well that if you ask someone how much 12 is, and I ask you... Sorry, how much 12 is? And as you ask, you warn him by saying, don't tell, him, don't tell me, man, that 12 is twice 6, or 3 times 4, or 6 times 2, or 4 times 3, for I won't accept such nonsense. Then you clearly see, I think, that no one could ever answer a question framed like that. And if he said to you, what are you saying, Thrascomus? Am I, not, I, can't, I don't think I've said the same word twice. <laughs> am, I not, am I not going to give you the answers you mentioned, not even if 12 happens to be one of those things? I'm amazed. Do you want me to say something other than the truth? Do you, do you mean something else? What answer would you give him? Well. Is there a Republic movie? No. Hmm. It just feels very, like, scriptish. It's got, like, yeah. a, uh, like. Snappy dialogue? Yeah, almost like a Kevin Smith or an Aaron Sorkin sort of feel to it. Yeah, where yeah. it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Strangeness. Um, or just, you could say that Aaron Sorkin and Kevin Smith. Oh, I'm sure. Are just ex extremely unexpected. I for sure. Um, Sean's digging this. Mm. <laughs> um, well, so you think the two cases are it's alike? Not a douchebag. <laughs> Why shouldn't they be alike? But even if they aren't alike, yet seem to be the person you asked, do you think him any less likely to give the answer that seems right to him, whether we forbid him to or not? <sighs> Is it that you're going to do? Uh, is that what you're going to do? Give one of the forbidden answers? I wouldn't be surprised, provided that it's, one of the, that it's the one that seems right to me after I've investigated the matter. But if I should know a different answer just about justice than all these, and a better one, what would you deserve then? What else than the appropriate penalty for one who doesn't know, namely, to learn from one who does know? Therefore, that's what I deserve. You amused me. But in addition to learning, you must pay a fine. I will as soon as I have money. He has some already, said Glaucon. It's a matter of money. Speak. Uh, if it's a matter of money, speak, Theraskmus. Theramicus. For we'll, contribute to, for we'll all contribute to Socrates. Theramicus and his abacus went down to the market. <laughs> Thrassy. Just call him Thrassy. Thrassy. Yeah, thank you, Thrassy. Um, so the Socrates can carry on as usual. He gives no answer himself, and then when someone else does give one, he takes up the argument and refutes it. How can someone give an answer, I said, when he doesn't know it and doesn't claim to know it, and when an eminent mi man forbids him to express the opinion he has? It's much more appropriate for you to answer, since you say you know and can tell us. So do, me, so do it as a favor to me, and don't begrudge your teaching to Glaucon and the others. While I was saying this, Glaucon and the others begged him to speak. It is obvious that Thracy thought, thought he had a fine answer, and that he wanted to earn the admiration by giving it, but he, pre but he pretended that he wanted to indulge his love of victory by forcing me to answer. However, he agreed in the end, then then said, There you have it, Socrates' wisdom. And th there, you, there you have Socrates' wisdom. He himself isn't willing to teach, but he goes around learning from others and isn't even grateful to them. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that I have learned from others, you are right, Thracy, but... When you say that I'm not grateful, it isn't true. I show you what gratitude I can, but since I have no money, I can give, only give praise. But that's just how enthusiastically I give when someone, when someone seems to me to speak well. You'll, you'll know as soon as you've answered, for I think that you will speak well. Or Listen, then, hold his peace. <laughs> Listen, then, I say that justice is nothing other than the advantage of one stronger. Well, why don't you praise me? But then you don't do anything to avoid having to do that. But then you do anything to, have, to avoid having to do that. <laughs> I must first understand you, for I, I don't yet know what you mean. The advantage of the stronger, you say, is just. What do you mean, Th Thracy? Surely you don't mean something like this. Polydamus, the, the pancreatist? What the fuck is that? The pancreatist. Okay. 
Polydamus the Pancratus is stronger than we are. It is to his advantage to eat beef to build up his physical strength. Therefore, the food is also advantageous and just for us who are the weaker, uh, and just for us who are weaker than he is. <laughs> you disgust me, Socrates. Your trick is to take hold of the argument at the point where you can do it the most harm. Not at all, but tell Bernie. me more. Tell me more Bernie. clearly what you mean. <laughs> Don't you know that some cities are ruled by tyranny, some by a democracy and some by an aristocracy? Of course. And in each city, this element is stronger, namely the ruler. Certainly. And each makes laws to his own advantage. Democracy makes democratic laws, tyranny makes tyrannical laws, and so on with the others. And then they declare that they have made what is to their own advantage to be just for their subjects. And they punish anyone who goes against them as lawless and unjust. This, then, is what I say justice is, the same in all cities, the advantage of the established rule. Since the established <laughs> rule is surely stronger, anyone who reasons correctly will conclude that the just is the same everywhere, namely, the advantage of the stronger. Who, who, who's speaking there? I think is that, that Socrates? That's, that's Thracy. Yeah. Oh. Now, right? I, now I see what you mean. Whether it's true or not, I'll try to find out, but you yourself has answered that it's, that it's just to the— Oh, sorry— you yourself have answered that the just is the advantageous, Thracy, whereas you, forbade, whereas you forbade that answer to me. True, you've added, quote, of the stronger to it. He was speaking to Socrates? Yeah. Okay. And I suppose you think that's an insignificant addition? Well, it isn't clear yet whether it's significant, but it is clear that we must investigate to see whether, it's not, whether or not it's true. I agree that the just is some kind of advantage, but you add that it's, quote, of the strongest. I don't know about that. We'll have to look into it. Go ahead and look. We will. Tell me. Don't you also say that it is just to obey the rulers? I do. And, and are the rulers in all cities infallible, or are they liable to error? No doubt they are liable to error. So they undertake to make laws, therefore they make some correctly, some incorrectly. I suppose so. And a law is correct if it prescribes what is to the ruler's own advantage, and incorrect if it prescribes what it is to their disadvantage. Is that what you mean? <laughs> it is. And whatever laws they make must be obeyed by their subjects, and this is justice. Of course. Then, according to your account, it is just to do not only what is to the advantage of the strongest, but also to the opposite. And uh, what is not to their advantage, sorry. Uh, but also the opposite, what is not to their advantage. What are you saying? The same as you, but let us examine it more fully. Haven't we agreed that in giving orders to their subjects, the rulers are sometimes in error as to what, does, what is best for themselves, and yet, and yet it is just for their subjects to do whatever their rulers order? Haven't we agreed that much? Well, I think so. Then, then you must also think that you have agreed that it is just to do what is disadvantageous to the rule, dis disadvantageous to the rulers and those who are stronger whenever they unintentionally order what is bad for themselves. But you also say that it is just for the others to obey the orders they give. You're terribly clever, Thracy, but it doesn't necessarily follow that it's just to do the opposite of what you said, since the weaker are the order, since the weaker are then ordered to do what is disadvantageous to the strongest. By God, Socrates, said Polemarchus. <laughs> That's quite clear. If you are to be this witness anyway, said Clipphon, <laughs> interrupting, who needs a witness, Polemarchus replied. Can I get a witness, by the way? What, what? <laughs> Can I get a witness? Tracy himself agrees that the rulers sometimes, sometimes order what is bad for themselves and what is just for others to do it. That, Polemarchus, is because Thracy maintained that it is just to obey the orders and the rulers. He also, anyway, they just kind of summarized the question we just had. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go to... Oh, uh, so they don't come to any conclusion? Oh, I can keep going. They just trail off? No, they will eventually come to... You mean to keep going until we find a conclusion? Uh, well, if you know, we can jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> um, I'll keep going. It's fine. I don't mind this. Actually, oh, okay. I was going to say, if, in here it says it ends in an aporia. Meaning, I think it doesn't come to a conclusion. Spoiler. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I was just trying to, you know, save some time. The yeah, whole exactly. republic or just book no, one? just book one. <laughs> just, oh, or this, this current discussion with current Thracy. discussion about, yeah. Oh, are you reading along? Kind nice. Of. Sweet. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good question. I think Thracy is very pragmatic and Socrates is just kind of interestingly challenging him on the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. Socrates is a badass, according to, according to Plato's version of him. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. He's like, yeah, I bet he's like cooler than the real thing. That's the, yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. Probably, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's, I mean, the benefit of yeah, history, that's, essentially. That's cool, though. He's, yeah. He's like, the way he just says, like, oh, I agree with you, but here's, let's examine it further. It's, it's so nice. <laughs> I'm thinking about trying to find Glaucon's challenge. That's where the ring comes from. The ring of power. 
uh, the Lord of the Rings? Basically, yeah, that's the, really? same, that's the same thing. So, Ooh. like, if you have, um, if if someone had Glockon's challenge, essentially was. I'm also trying to remember where the allegory of the cave was. I don't think it's in the Republic, though. Um, if you have a ring that deems you invisible, would any man do anything? Mm. Like, wouldn't wouldn't anybody just kind of act unjustly if they yeah. if they were completely they were unaccountable unseen. by yeah, it? Yeah. Um, hmm. And that's the discussion that they that they dig around. Um, I don't remember what what Socrates concludes What's or that what the called? group concludes. The, the Glaucon's challenge. Oh. Glaucon's yeah. challenge. Um, the one thing you'd love about Plato, by the way, um, there, so in the Republic, there is only, well, definitely, but there's, there's one group of people, uh, whom, whom he said ought not be allowed in this perfect Republic. His idea is to form a perfect Republic. Uh, no, the, the religious and those guys were okay. Um, (laughs) there was a place for them. There was no place in the Republic for this group of people though. Hmm. Care to venture a guess? Um, the monarchs? Uh, no, no, because the monarchs, the monarchs of the Republic were the philosopher. Ah. The philosophers were the ones he said should rule the Republic because they're the ones who can find out the best possible answer for everything. But that wasn't a genetic lineage, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. It's just anybody who became, you know, who was trained as a philosopher right um, could be, could be in it. Mm. That's what he said. Any guess? Um, who do you despise more than anybody? Fuck the police? Hillary Clinton? The artists. Oh, yeah. The artists were not allowed in the Republic. He was oh. like, there is no place for the artists in the Republic. Because <laughs> they, yeah, because they, they are the ones who most, most specifically and dangerously bastardize what is true. Because they take something and they kind of just, you know, they, it, they, they take it one, they take it a further level. Remember we did the four levels of things? Mm. Yeah. Um, what, what, did we, what did you want to call them again? <laughs> like the... I, I think it was just one, two, three, and four. But. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, level four. That's right. You just wanted me to number them because um, it was like the forms, the then the 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 concepts, then I concepts slash ideas, I guess, and then the thing itself, and then uh, the mimesis of the thing. Mm. So artists, you know, are the, make everything level four right. at best. Yeah. Like so, even like they they can't even make a real fucking thing because mm. everything that even the real thing they make is some bullshit thing. And he's like, <laughs> there's no fucking place for them in the republic. <laughs> Fuck them. Get out of our city. Was he uh, anti-entertainment as well? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Because he, he was like, let's was talk dis- about the real fucking thing. Distracting from yeah. the progress that could be made. Exactly. He's like, we can, we can sit around this play and discuss whether or not the characters in them were acting accordingly. <laughs> or we can fucking talk about the thing that happened in real life and right figure on. out. Or I, can like, or I can philosophically propose something that had happened and we can discuss what had happened. If we just watch it completely mm. without any... Um, but isn't his writing essentially like a play in entertainment? As like, it's, it seems like it's written for the masses. That's what's like, so funny about. It. I remember, remember, yeah, I remember I was telling you like, so Plato, Plato hated artists, um, and yet kind of was him, <laughs> one himself. <laughs> Where mm-hmm. Aristotle, on the other hand, kind of was okay with artists. Like yeah. he didn't really have a problem with the artist, mm-hmm. and he's not one. Aristotle's writing is <laughs> way worse than Plato's. Yeah. Um, it's just more dense and more fun. Um, but I could get to that. I Again, think your definition seven. of fun is uh, slightly askew. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I'll give you that. Um, and Joey, from from what you're kind of browsing through, is there anything that would be fun to kind of like read? Well, you said you wanted to check out the cave thing. I can show you where that is. If you, I think sure. it's in book three. Book three? Okay. It's, it looks like it's towards the end. Cave paintings? The Allegory of the Cave. The Allegory of the Cave is probably one of the most famous ones. Um Let's see here. Blah, blah, blah. You know, how then we deserve the falsehoods. We... How are you liking this so far, by the way, Sean? You want me to leave this with you? <laughs> well, I will never actually read it. But, uh... <laughs> how do you feel about the property of it, though? I mean, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If something is left in my apartment for long There's enough, it becomes part of my collection. Finders keepers. Essentially, the uh, yeah possession nice. is nine tenths of the law. Nice rule. Yep. Is right. What's the, the best thing that you finder keepered? Judgment of finder <laughs> versus keeper. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was the first of my friends to have an apartment. So many, many things just kind of uh, landed there. Um, that's an advantage. Yeah, kind of. Especially when you forget for old friends. Yeah, yeah. Also a disadvantage because they have nowhere else to go. But. <laughs> I I definitely got a bunch of shirts, I think. Mm. Um, I got some nice backpacks. And, yeah. Well, I got a, a Super Nintendo game once. Oh. Feel bad yeah. for that. I think I still have it. So. Oh yeah, many random DVDs and music CDs. But, yep. Dan, if you're listening, I still have Secret of Mana. Sorry. 
no, the judgment of finder versus keeper is uh, still holding strong. Um, I think I could probably go into this one. I was tr- I was going to go a little bit farther, but I'm not really sure. Um, I'm about to sneeze, though. That's going to be fun to hear. Nice. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> you teased it. I know. Well, I can, I can either make it happen or not. Um, which that's I just, I that's swallowed not a real it. sneeze, then. I swallowed it. No, it was coming. Listeners are going to yeah. be disappointed. A yeah. real sneeze is uncontrollable. I swallowed it. That's well, it'll disgusting. probably come at some point. Fixes <laughs> <laughs> of magic in the city and the pleasure of beer. Magic. I know. Is it D&D book? <laughs> More or less, yeah. Okay. Was I'll Plato just, rolling 20 sided die? Probably. More, yeah, basically, in exactly <laughs> all of this. Is there anything where it starts, Joey? Where does it start? I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know. You just the cave part? Yeah. It just says the end of book three it's because it refers to it. Okay. I'm sorry, I'll look, at, I'll look more deeply here. Oh, I guess I could just read this part, but I don't know if it's... No, because that's the conclusion of it. Anyway, it's fine. I think I found more or less where it is. But I don't want to read that much far like into it. It's fine. Um, so it says 514A. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I don't know if that helps. I hope it does. I guess that's uh, like the verse. In book three? Yeah, it's got uh, like for the uh, the listeners at home, we're in sort of a... 514A? There is no 5. 514B. 514A slash B is what it says. There is no 5. 500. It stops oh. at 4, like 17. In book three of the Republic? I don't yeah, think... Uh, maybe it's not... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not the Republic. It yeah. says the Republic? Yeah. In his work, the Republic, 514A to 520A. That's not even here. What the fuck? Oh, redacted. Who doesn't want us to know? Oh, but you know what, though? It keeps going... It's not. In, there's one in book book six. Like five keeps going up. I think. Huh. Oh no, it doesn't. There's also on. the analogy of the sun. Kind of similar. It's like part of that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Fourteen <laughs> A. So. All right. So I also have book seven. Okay, here we go. No, it's in it's in book seven. You okay. Say so sorry. Yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead. Next, I said, compare the effect of education and of the lack of it on, the, on our nature to the experience like this. Imagine human beings living in an underground cave-like dwelling with an entrance a long way up, which is both open to the light and as wide as the cave itself. They've been there since childhood, fixed in the same place with their necks and legs fettered, and see only in front of them because their bonds prevent them from turning their heads around. Light is provided by a fire burning far above and behind them, also behind them, but on a higher ground, there is a path stretching between them and the fire. Imagine that along this path, a low wall has been built, like a screen in front of a puppeteer's above which they show their puppets. (laughs) I am imagining it. Then also imagine there are people along the wall, carrying all kinds of artifacts they project above it. Statues of people and other animals made out of stone, wood, and every metal. And, as you'd expect, some of the carriers are talking and some are silent. My wall will be beautiful. (laughs) It's a strange image you're describing and strange prisoners. Well, they're like us. Do you suppose, first of all, that these prisoners are anything of themselves and of anyone besides the shadows that the fire casts on the wall in front of them? How could they, if they have to keep their heads motionless throughout life? What about the things being carried along the wall? Isn't the same true of them? Of course. And if they could talk to one another, don't you think they'd suppose that the names they used applied to the things they see passing before them? Mm, They'd have to. And what if their prison also held an echo from the wall facing them? Don't you think they'd believe that the shadows passing in front of them were talking whenever one of the carriers passed along the wall was doing so? I certainly do. Then the prisoners would, in every way, believe that the truth is nothing other than the shadows of those artifacts. They must surely believe that. Consider, then, what being released from their bonds and cured of their ignorance would naturally be like. If something like this came to pass, when one of them was freed and suddenly compelled to stand up, turn his head, walk, and look toward the light, he'd be pained and dazzled and unable to see the things whose shadows he'd seen before. What do you think he'd say if we told him that what he'd seen before was inconsequential, but that now, because he is a bit closer to the things that are, that are, and is turned toward the things that are more, he sees more correctly. Or, to put it another way, if we pointed to each of the things passing by, asked him what each of them is, and compelled him to answer, don't you think he'd be at a loss and he'd believe that the things he saw earlier were truer than the ones he's being shown? Much truer. And if someone compelled him to look at the light itself, wouldn't his eyes hurt? And wouldn't he turn around and flee toward the things he'd been able to see, believing that they're really clearer than the ones he'd seen he's being shown? He would. 
And if someone dragged him away from there by force, up the rough, steep path, and didn't let him go until he had dragged him into the sunlight, wouldn't he be pained and irritated upon, upon being treated that way? And when he came into the light, and when the sun filling his eyes wouldn't be unable to... Uh, and suddenly filling his eyes, wouldn't he be unable to see a single one of the things he now said to be true? It was like a scene from Fringe. <laughs> he would be unable to see them at the le- at least it's at first. I suppose then that he'd need time to get adjusted before he could see the things in the world above. At first he'd see shadows more easily, and then images of men and other things in water, then the things themselves. Of these, he'd be able to study the things in the sky and the sky itself more easily at night, looking at the light of the stars and the moon than during the day, looking at the sun and the light of the sun. Of course. Finally, I suppose, he'd be able to see the sun, not images of it in the water or some alien place, but the sun itself in its own place and be able to study it. Don't look at the sun. (laughs) Necessarily so. And at this point, he would infer and conclude that the sun provides the seasons and the years, governs everything in the visible world, and is in some way the cause of the things that he used to see. It is clear it would be his clear. His, it's clear that would be his next step. What about when he reminds himself of his first dwelling place, his fellow prisoners, and what passed for wisdom there? Don't you think that he'd count himself happy for the change and pity the others? Certainly. And if there had been honors, praises, or prizes among them for the one who's been the sharpest at identifying the shadows as they pass by, and who best remembered which usually came earlier, which later, and which simultaneously, and who could thus best divine the future, do you think that our man would desire these rewards or envy those among the prisoners who were honored and held power? Instead, wouldn't he feel with Homer that he'd much prefer to, quote, walk the earth as a serf to another one without possessions? and go through any sufferings rather than, than share their opinions and live as they do? I suppose he would rather suffer anything than live like that. Consider this, too. If this man went down into the cave again and sat down in his same seat, wouldn't his eyes, coming suddenly out of the sun like that, be filled with darkness? They certainly would. And before his eyes had recovered, and the adjustment would not be quick while his vision was still dim, if he had to compete again with his perpetual prisoners in recognizing these shadows, wouldn't he invite ridicule? Wouldn't it be said of him that he'd return to his, from his upward journey with his eyesight ruined and that it isn't worthwhile even to try to travel upward? And, as for anyone who tried to free them and lead them upward, if they could somehow get their hands on him, wouldn't they kill him? They certainly would. This whole image, Glaucon, must be, filled, must be fitted together with what we said before. The visible realm should be likened to the prisoner's dwelling and the light of the fire inside it to the power of the sun. And if you interpret the upward journey of the study of things above the upward journey to the... To, of the and if you interpret the upper journey and the study of things above, things above as the upper journey of the soul to the intelligible realm, you'll grasp what I hope to convey since, this, since that is what you wanted to hear about. Whether it's true or not, only the God knows. But this is how I see it. In the knowable realm, the form of the good is the last thing to see, and it is reached only with difficulty. Once one has seen it, however, one must conclude that it is the cause of all that is correct and beautiful in anything, that it produces both light and its source in the visible realm, and that, it is, and that in the intelligible realm, it controls and provides truth and understanding so that anyone who is to act sensibly in private or public, must see it. It was extremely Orwellian. How so? Just, the, well, the themes, the pacing, the, um, the, uh, the dialogue, like it's very um, animal farm sort of, um, that, that idea of like starting in a dark place or starting in, you know, this uh, ignorance is bliss sort of state and then rising out of it and then try and get back to it and realizing you can't. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. I mean, that's the, this was ex- Plato's explanation of the form. So what mm. I was talking about in those times, whenever I use a capital letter, that's what I'm talking about mm. is this allegory of the cave is quite literally the the idea of not just the thing that we're sort of the the happens the happening that we're examining, but the philosophical underpinnings of it. That's always what I'm most interested in. Is that in the same in the same thing with kind of Plato? But that's basically what the capital letters are used to signify are the forms. Thank you for listening to Literally Literary. (laughs) One more. (laughs) I love those. 
but we will actually give it the true little yeah. fun oh, wow. song. Yeah, we got to close it out with that one. The highest level of theme songs. Politicking before you turn to excessive drinking. Spend some time collectively politinkering with the show where I don't know, man. Because the truth is I don't know, man. I just... I don't know, man. Neither does Plato. Socrates seemed to know some stuff, though. Socrates!